Hey yo, explorers of the strange. Today is a legend that spreads across a world's collective subconscious. A story set in the Appalachian Ranges just along the Ohio River. We visit a West Virginian marsh contaminated with World War II explosive material that not only poisoned the 26 ponds, but can explode at any moment. Here, there's a creature that lurks. And in 1966, it emerged upon two young couples just out having a night of fun. Its hypnotic red eyes and large silver wings spread out as they ran for their cars. It let out an unnatural shriek unlike anything on this earth. And it shook the couples as they drove at top speeds reaching 100 miles per hour just to escape this winged humanoid. But it wasn't good enough. It flew right past their car, and they drove into Point Pleasant, hoping that it would leave them alone. Let's explore the story, and how this piece of American folklore has spread across the world, earning millions of dollars for any folk in the cryptid community that sought to use its likeliness. And how a Fordian writer took this legend and morphed it into a metaphysical, paranormal being that's been tied to many events of high strangeness. Hold oh, I can't get in way to get into it. Let's do it. Let's look into the famous Mothman on this week's case of Fringe History. Going, cryptid researchers. What's up, all the hill folklorists and Appalachian historians, or really just anyone wondering what's the deal with this Mothman they've heard of? Welcome to Fringe History. I'm your host, Basti, amateur folklorist and explorer of America. And while road tripping across the nation, I made sure to visit West Virginia. I made it a stopping point, and oh boy. Point Pleasant was this rumored supernatural hotspot and home to a wildly popular cryptid. Especially in the past years, it has just been blowing up, so I knew I had to visit it. Something I've heard about since a child. From movies, to countless documentaries, to video games from Japan, and modern day musicals, this cryptid has found its way into popular culture, and in turn, has made millions of dollars across all sorts of mediums. So I want to bring you the story of this cryptid uh, for sure, especially for those new to the culture and recognize his name but might be foggy on some of its details. As even I was researching this story, found multiple conflicting stories on this cryptid and to be honest, the legend isn't very long. It's crazy how people stretch this out into hour-long expeditions and if you want to listen to those, definitely do it. Tons of locals have a lot to say on this cryptid. but. I just kind of want to stick to the main story and then I want to bring you the reality and how this cryptid has influenced popular culture. I mean, I even want to look into how the birthplace of this cryptid is an EPA super fun site. And how exactly did the men in black show up in this story? <laughs> I mean, believe it or not, the men in black and a lot of the supernatural things tied to the Mothman weren't even introduced until a decade after its inception. So let, let's look at all of it, and especially, oh boy, how you could get there yourself. It's all about the travel, baby. And you could visit the amazing Mothman statue. I mean, that's been my profile pic for a while on Instagram. That's, oh my gosh, I loved my trip to Point Pleasant. And I want to help bring you there, even go to the annual Mothman Festival and meet thousands of cryptid lovers among the community. Hey, maybe you could even grab a legendary Mothman burger <laughs> or somehow maybe just watch Mothman the anti-hate superhero comedy there there's so much this legend let's break into it all and let's start with its origin our story begins in West Virginia along the Ohio River 
And we're looking at November 15th, 1966, with two couples in particular. This is Raja and Linda Scarberry, or Maxwell, and Steve and Mary Mallet. Now, most people know this story, but one thing that I found while discovering, and I haven't been able to verify this story anywhere, but I did see it pop up at least twice, that there is a report three days earlier from this famous case that in November 12th, five men were digging up a grave in nearby town Clendenin when they reportedly saw a man-like shadowy figure fly over their heads into a nearby tree. Now, maybe it never tied to Mothman because it wasn't necessarily a moth-like figure, but a shadowy figure had been appearing in this part of West Virginia, apparently. So, the main story. And this has come in a lot from a lady named Linda Scarberry. If you go to the museum, she is the main one in all the newspapers. She's the one talking about this. She was just exuberant with this story. And what she reported was a slender, muscular man. They were out that night in the TNT area. Now, this is the site of a former World War II munitions plant. But it's also a wildlife management area with beautiful hikes along ponds. People go hunting out there all the time. It's great for wildlife and fishing. So they're out there and they see this slender, muscular man hiding in the shadows. They wonder what it is. And upon approaching it, they notice it is a seven foot white winged creature with these hypnotic red eyes staring right back at them. Now, when they realized what this was, they ran back for their car and it let out this unholy shriek, something that they had never heard before, this unearthly noise. They knew it was all bad. So they just run back to their car as quick as they can. And they said they were actually pursued by this creature. Now, when they reached their car, they tried to jam out of here at top speeds, apparently even reaching 100 miles per hour. Now, you could give or take that. Yet, no matter how fast they went, the creature caught up and it actually soared past their car at one point, making this piercing, shrieking noise that just startled the hell out of them. It was said to pursue them up until they got towards Point Pleasant, about 10, 15 minutes away, and then it gave up on its chase. No one knew what had happened, but they reported it to the police and many newspapers caught on to this story. And not too long after, many people had reported it, but most importantly, two local volunteer firefighters had sighted this creature a few days later. Now, the names of these guys is Captain Paul Yotter and Benjamin Enoch. And they're going to the picnic area in the TNT area. Now they're there late, late at night. They're going on a report to go investigate something uh, that had been out there. Maybe they're just going out there to clean up the general picnic area. But it's 1 to 8.30 a.m. I mean, that that's crazy. So they go there and while they're there, they see a white shadow go across their car. Now they were wondering what it was. So they tried to hunt it down. They followed it into a local field near one of the ponds and they were never able to find the creature. But even at that point, they were slightly suspicious that it could have been a large bird, but they never knew what it was. And even they had reported the giant red hypnotic eyes. They said when they flashed their flashlight in the direction of it at one point, it almost seemed like it had the kind of red reflector lights that you would see on a bike. So many more reports. So in the coming weeks, many people were reporting on this Mothman and everybody was going out to find it. I mean, there were legit monster hunters in the area and the authorities had to crack down on this. They did not like all these people sussed out about some kind of monster. They all want to find the reward. They all want to figure out what it is. They're all walking around armed with big guns and it's bound to lead to a problem. And especially once the sheriff developed developed a theory with local scientists that it was more than likely a sandhill crane, or at least that's what they told the public to try and get the public to get off of this case. Uh, he claimed that this is a migratory bird, and these birds are protected under federal and state law. You are not allowed to shoot one of these birds, and he was scared if one of these locals accidentally did while they were freaked out by this giant five-foot bird. Uh, <laughs> that they'd get in a double ton of trouble and you get feds coming to town. It is just all bad. So he promised to arrest anyone that was caught armed in the TNT area after dark, which is super fair. I mean, that's just <laughs> bound to lead to somebody accidentally shooting someone else. They're all looking for a shadowy figure in the middle of the night while they're all out there with guns. Yeah, it's all bad. 
So they went with the Sandhill Crane explanation. And I'll look at that more in the reality, but it does seem likely. Like I had mentioned, it's a five foot tall, gray wings, large red spotted eyes, a seven foot wingspan. Now these are much like the proportions that they had seen with Mothman, but people were convinced that this Mothman was out there. And for the next year, they would continuously rumor about this shadowy figure that was haunting their nearby towns. Now these rumors go on till 1967, in December 15th. Now this is when a tragedy strikes and the nearby Silver Bridge that goes across the Ohio River collapses and 85 folk perish in the tragedy. Now around this point, some people had been reporting that the Mothman was near the collapse of the bridge, but there are no full reports of this and allegedly the myth stops somewhere right around then. And my suspicion would be because the families of the victims really didn't appreciate that their very real tragedy was being attached to this supernatural form of entertainment, this witch hunt, this monster hunt, they just didn't appreciate it. Or if we were to go with a more story or theorized thing, the men in black may have kicked them off of the case. I mean, they didn't want anybody reporting on it. But more than likely, this is where the legend just kind of stops in full hold, which is weird. Most legends don't just stop in full hold like this, but it is reported that it, def it definitely abruptly ends around there. And most of the time it is just tied to mass hysteria, like a lot of these events are tied. Um, like the Ohio Mad Gasser was tied to mass hysteria, a lot of this cryptid stuff, a lot of Bigfoot stuff is interpreted that way. And especially in the 60s and 70s, a lot of UFO reports and stuff, a lot of people are just waiting to get in on the cranks. Now, that's really the end of the legend to the Mothman. Linda Scarberry is hands down like the main originator of this story. Even the other three, the other three who witnessed the encounter didn't have nearly as much to say as Linda did to all of these news reporters. And the name Mothman was probably actually originated from one of the reporters at the time. Now, nobody could tie it down to the first article but the name was most likely derived from a popular Batman comic that was going around the time, specifically the one where he's going against the antagonist, Killer Moth. It's just said to be that people tied it together, superheroes were popular at the time, so Mothman came to be. And it was just a form of mass hysteria from perhaps a bird that none of them had seen before, or at least that's what the sheriffs were telling them. Now, the story kind of chills out now. And after the Silver Bridge accident, there's not a lot of talk of this myth until 1975. Now, that's when a Fordian writer named John Keel brings this story back to life in his famous Mothman Prophecy book. Now, that changed a lot of the mythos. Before this, I mean, the Harbinger of Doom title hadn't been fully associated with the Mothman. I mean, people probably talked about it in legends and word of mouth, but especially after the tragedy, people ended a lot of the speculation. But John Keel, much like many Fordians who are not scared to take the task of tying together all these crazy conspiracies and wrapping it together with his metaphysical bow tie, decided to take it on, and he wrote the Mothman Prophecy. Now, a, a little up, or a little into John Keel, he was born in Hornell, New York, near New York City in 1930, and lived up until 2009. He had wrote his first article in 1945 about UFOs, and he witnessed a UFO during his trip to the Aswan Dam in Upper Egypt in 1954. Now, this blew up his mind, and he was convinced that he had seen something unearthly. Now, that's how a lot of us cryptid lovers come into this thing. We found just something that was high strangeness, and we couldn't explain it, and that leads you to exploring all of these neat communities. Now, he became renowned in UFO circles, and was in 150 different news articles across America, and even won UFOlogist of the Year at the 1967 Convention of Scientific UFOlogists. So this guy's out there writing great articles, getting super popular, and he even at this time wrote something called The Eighth Tower. Now, The Eighth Tower is this wild metaphysical book talking about super spectrums and ultra dimensions. Um, a friend of mine had labeled it as just a bunch of bullshit, which, don't get me wrong, is very high concept, a theoretical a philosophy based the view of like this metaphysical and theological view of the world it, essentially to break it down and he believes that these supernatural occurrences across the world can be explained 
by these towers and the influence they have on the world. It's heavily tied to cosmic fate and that there are no coincidences and that our world is controlled by the eighth tower. <laughs> like I said, lots of ultra-dimensional talk. He says that cryptids and different things like this are just psychic break waves in the patterns that we see in the world. <laughs> He's definitely out there and the Mothman prophecy takes a lot of these thinking, a lot of these like that fairies and different metaphysical things are just ultra-dimensional beings able to tap into our universe, able to interfere with the psychic influences that are being put on us every day. Now, specifically though, the Mothman prophecy is linking the Mothman to a lot of these supernatural events. He's the one who's bringing in the men in black. He's the one who's explaining UAPs and connecting them to the Mothman. UAP is Unknown Aerial Phenomenon. Uh, for some newcomers in the UFO UFOlogy community, um, it's a very popular term. And if you have seen a lot of the alien stuff going on nowadays, you'll notice, especially the government meetings they've been having on UFOs lately, that they call them UAPs. And that's just kind of the name that they've had for forever. I mean, that's the name that Keel went with, and eh, that's how they're commonly referred to. It's interesting too, after going through the book, I had even noticed that in like chapter three, he actually references a case that I love called the 1905 California Airship, in which people were reporting this UAP that just seemed like a 70 foot long ship with oars that resembled wings that were flapping. Now he takes this idea and connects it with other UAPs and starts with this idea of comparing them all to Da Vinci and how he made wingsuits and I'm, <laughs> Fortean storytelling as a whole is connecting a lot of these conspiracies and a lot of these strange events and showing that there's no coincidence and that they are all tied together in one big ultra-dimensional way. <laughs> and for a look into Fortean storytelling real quick, Charles Fort is the one who innovated this style in the early 1900s. Now, this includes stuff like plagues of frogs, spontaneous combustion, poltergeists, a ball of lightning, like those spirit orbs you see. He was actually the first one to coin that in a book. Uh, he talks about levitations, unexplained disappearances. I had even been recently reading his uh, Book of the Damned, where he just talks about all this rejected science and how how science can't be objective without count without putting in all of these strange occurrences that break the norm. Uh, he especially loves to talk about animals that are found outside of their natural ranges. He talks a lot about the the phantom cat, which is a fairly famous cryptid or spirit. Uh, lots of reports of even stuff like out-of-place artifacts called OOP arts <laughs> and strange items in unlikely places. If th those kind of storytelling devices and those kind of things interest you, which I love. That's all high strangeness, especially things where it's like, how the heck did this get here? Well, or you threw something away and then it winds up right back in your house. That's all Fortean kind of storytelling. But at the same time, it's just kind of general high strangeness, and people interpreted a lot of different things from Charles Ford. But especially the UFO and alien things. I mean, this guy was one of the first people to suggest that human disappearances are just alien abductions, something that is now almost the forefront of ufology. Now, like I said, the Fortean followers are generally split, and they have a lot of different interpretations. Some love the supernatural things, some love the UFO things, some just like the distrust of organizations like the government or religion. So they're all arguing, but eventually they all come together in 1931 to make a society. It's a lot of his friends, a lot of famous writers. They all come together in New York, and they want him to be president. He straight up denies it and rejects the whole group wholesale. He hates it. He thinks he doesn't want to be an authority, especially on a style or genre. Of, he doesn't want any of that. Nah, he doesn't believe in authorities. He doesn't believe in objective truths. He believes in localism and universalisms and all these metaphysical things. So no, he doesn't want to be the leader of anything. And he doesn't want anybody to have an authority in his name. <laughs> now... A oh, good quote from the Book of the Damned to give an idea of his theology was, Nothing has ever been finally found out, because there is nothing final to find out. Or another one that I love, A seeker of truth, he will never find it, but the dimmest possibility that it may succeed. 
he doesn't believe in these absolute truths or anything like that. He believes that anything's possible and that only, even if you find something to be true, it's just a sliver of the truth because who's to say in the next hundred years we don't find another science that just disproves that and proves something else. Uh, <laughs> it's a philosophy that I generally go with but can be pushed to extreme lengths. Now, let, let's hop back to the Mothman, because that's how a lot of Mothman's The Harbinger of Doom title comes to him, is this Fordian style. But let's jump back into it real quick and go over some current reports, because but from 2011 to 2017, there has been a peak in Mothman sightings, and especially the Chicago Mothman. What a weird one, right? But yeah, the upper lakes of Michigan seem to have their own Mothman. I mean... Between that peak of six years, like I mentioned, there have been 55 different reports just from Chicago about the Mothman. But even I watched uh, the recent Mothman documentary about the Chicago Mothman that I'll mention in the next section. And, and they had a scientist come on and even the cryptozoologist they had straight up told them to their faces like, there's no found evidence of this. There's, everything that we have from the original Mothman myth and folklore is just not tied to any of the sightings that we've seen in Chicago, and those are likely just large birds. But you, know, you never know. Chicago Mothman's an interesting thing, and I hadn't super heard about it up until recently. Um, and now some people, like I mentioned, with the Harbinger of Doom title, conspiracy theorists have took the Mothman, and you might have heard him tied to things like Chernobyl. You might have even heard him tied to 9-11. This is kind of the conspiracy theorist end that I do not enjoy. Um, generally, large tragedies, I don't like to have supernatural speculation. I mean, even the Silver Bridge one, I understand why they wanted to shut down that speculation. So, especially something like 9-11, it's not really going to be my thing. So, let's look at the most recent report, because in 2018, there is a recent sighting. Oh, man, there are a few pictures of this, and... I'm going to be straight up with you. I know it's the story section, but nobody's cited the real Mothman or anything like it since. And these pictures are kind of like a bird. Like, I'm going to be honest, they kind of blatantly look like a big bird. I'll post them to my Instagram, but I mean, you make your own mind up. The I don't doubt the person who saw it was freaked out. I mean, it is a weird picture and it's a big bird, but... I mean, yeah, that one seemed a little easier to debunk. The original myth, though, I mean, the TNT area is a strange site with this contaminated water. All this weird stuff could be happening. You never know. But the Sandhill Crane does seem like the most likely explanation. So let's look into it in the facts and figure out exactly the history of Point Pleasant and how this legend came to be and just how much it has infiltrated popular culture. Let's check it out. So to begin with this section, there's a lot I want to talk about, but let's dismiss the case of what the Mothman is, because I see people doing documentaries till today where they're researching all these Mothman sightings and all this everything, but so many of these original sightings were anonymous, and the only real person we have to rely on is Linda Scosbury, which she she was so excited to tell this story. You could tell she was super animated. She just wanted to talk about this. But in all reality, it's already been solved. The police and the scientists at the time were more than likely correct with the Sandhill Crane theory. Now, the proportions are just too accurate to ignore. Five foot tall, gray wings, large spot, red spots on their eyes, a seven foot wingspan. I mean, these are all much like Mothman. And while none of them travel as fast as a car, which is a big point of the legend, I mean, cars don't go 100 miles per hour back then, and they could have been easily mistaken, especially with how panicked they were. I mean, they could have just been going down the street. I mean, this is in a wildlife area already, so I mean, the streets aren't perfect. You're going past ponds and through this marsh at night. You're not driving super fast. You're being careful. So I don't doubt a bird could have caught up with them. And while the Sandhill Crane theory has been rejected by a few, like seriously, I saw people have an issue with this. I saw a birding community organization online get super upset saying that Sandhill Cranes are not native to West Virginia and that I insisted that it was more than likely a barn owl, uh, much like how the Flatwoods monster was dismissed as a barn owl. But 
The West Virginia University wildlife professor, Dr. Robert L. Smith, was looking at this case and he says that the sandhill crane theory is super likely and that he proves there is a migratory route going through West Virginia and this leads to plenty of unconfirmed sighting of sandhill cranes because once somebody reports it, once the scientist gets there, the crane is already most likely gone. It's just using it as a resting point while it's traveling along a long migratory route. And this would make sense why Linda Scarberry wouldn't exactly know what the bird was and would be super freaked out. I mean, any of us would be. It's an insane looking bird with a super unnatural shriek. So yeah, you'd be super freaked out. And sandhill cranes are mainly in Canada, the Midwest, and during the winters they like to go down to California or Mexico. And this is actually one of the hundreds of birds who use the Pacific Flyway route that I referenced last episode. So you could see a sandhill crane at the Salton Sea for all I know. But they rarely go east of Mississippi, but nowadays they're even common in Florida. So I mean, nothing's impossible, and it's more than likely there was a sandhill crane that they had seen this night. I mean, seriously, the side-by-side -side of it all is uncanny. It it definitely seems like it had to be. And I'm glad the sheriff at the time was scaring off all the monster hunters. That's why I don't really push cryptid as like a hunting thing. Cryptid hunter is a fun term, but end of the day, you shouldn't want to kill a cryptid. You shouldn't want to hunt these things down. And at the end of the day, it leads to these like crazy monster hunts where somebody could get hurt or shot at on accident. So yeah, I'm glad the sheriff shut this down and understood that this was just a migratory bird that people didn't understand. And that's okay to not understand things. But I don't know, if we look at the way Charles Fort puts things, I mean, one person's explanation is just another person's mistruth. I mean, that theory could be blown away in a hundred years and we could understand that there are ultra dimensional things in a hundred years. And we'll be like, well, obviously it wasn't a sandhill crane. It was an ultra dimensional being who tapped into our world. <laughs> now that's if you have a very metaphysical view of the world. But yeah, end of the day, sandhill crane. Now let's look at like Point Pleasant and how something like this could occur because this land is actually known for like a horribly scary history. So Point Pleasant is along the gorgeous Ohio River. It has many native murals that is awesome. And it's a border city because just on the other side of the river is another state. That's where Ohio begins and this is where West Virginia begins. I don't know, from the West Coast, that was just kind of a weird feeling and a bizarre thing uh, to just be able to look across the river and be like, yeah, that's a whole nother state right there. <laughs> now the history begins in 1774 is when it was founded by American settlers. And there were plenty of native tribes in the area, especially the Shawnee people. And basically this big battle happens in October of 1774. And th it's a large battle between the settlers and the natives of the area. Now they battle for the next couple years. And three years later, the settlers invite the natives to discuss peace in their land. Now this is just a trap. And tragically, the settlers ended up slaughtering a man named Chief Cornstalk, who in his dying words reportedly cursed the lands with his blood. Now, that was from the Point Pleasant website itself. Uh, looking into Chief Cornstalk a little bit more, he is a renowned Shawnee war leader and was most known for his raids in the Pontiac War. Now, that Pontiac War is a war fought along the Upper Great Lakes and was part of the larger American Indian Wars, or what was called the American Frontier Wars, which encompasses the many wars fought against native tribes in 1609 to the 1900s, but especially a lot of the battles right after the French Indian War. Now, the French-Indian War is when the French and Native Americans fought America and most famously were able to burn down the White House. Uh, but after that, when the French left, the Natives still had to fight their battles. So a lot of these battles are coming after that time in which the Natives were left alone to fight against the British forces of America. Uh, a terrible time and leads to a lot of terrible things like the settlers tricking native war leaders to come into their land just to slaughter them in prisons. Now this is not uncommon of the American government but some people some people who tote things like America make America great again it just really makes you question like when was it great if this is our founding of just tricking noble men into their deaths just to steal his land? I mean, I don't know, what's more American maybe? I just think it's important to be able to criticize America while still being able to want it to be better and be a patriot for it. Some people mistake criticism for being anti-patriot and I, I don't know. If you're just endlessly loving something to do it, I think you're kind of missing the point of being able to make it better. So that's the horrible history of Point Pleasant for the most part. And 
up until then, it's relatively still a small town along the Ohio River and was home to a few factories during World War II. And this leads us to the TNT site, which was home to a World War II munitions factory. And they set up many bunkers, or some people would go to call igloos, to store explosives. Now these igloos were a mainstay in John Keel's story, The Mothman Prophecies. He mentions these igloos a ton when referencing different metaphysical things that these explosives could be doing to the land. These bunkers were abandoned in the 40s and they just kind of let, the military just kind of left them and didn't really clean up a lot of the explosive materials inside of these bunkers and igloos. So the TNT site actually became an EPA cleanup site. You know it, that's another EPA site on my list. I'm gonna hit all these contaminated waters. What the heck? Why we got so many of them? So this is a hazardous site that is still on the priority list because of the explosive material found in the water. And oh my gosh, something even as horrible within the past 13 years was May 2010. One of the bunkers actually exploded. One of these igulus, legit, the hazardous material inside did explode. Now, no one was hurt and nobody was in the area, thank goodness, but holy crap, this is obviously an unpredictable danger that could just go off at any time. I mean, talk about in the travel section, but yeah, be careful. This is the EPA cleanup site. Don't go into the waters. Don't get exploded by one of these bunkers. Holy moly. I get why a creature who's the harbinger of doom would be like, yo, don't come here. Yo, this place? This place is messed up. And it's just another American folklore story that tells of the warning of American hubris about how we've destroyed our own land and how somebody needs to protect it, whether that be a Mothman or the EPA. <laughs> And for a look into this extremely weird area, now modern day this TNT site is called the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. And I would highly recommend visiting a, or a YouTube account from the guy named Mothman46. He has some awesome drone footage, just beautiful going over this TNT area and footage of the green waters and hazardous laden ponds. You'll just see these long stretches of black road cutting through these contaminated ponds. It's this wild post-apocalyptic looking place at certain points almost. And it's crazy to think that hiking along here you could find explosive bunkers just hidden along there. Now the video is labeled DGI Mavic birthplace of Mothman. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, Mothman46 was a listener. He talked about the Salton Sea with me for a bit. He sent me this awesome footage. You gotta go see it. He also has other ones of supernatural ridges and forests with Bigfoot sightings, awesome drone footage where he even discovered a crashed plane. Go check it out for sure. Now let's look more at the economic value of Mothman in itself. And it is hard to find an actual network of Mothman or like sales number as this cryptid has no real copyright, like most cryptids, and anyone could profit off of its likeliness. Now, there are no real numbers I could find, but by just looking on Amazon and Etsy, you can see dozens of shops selling Mothman t-shirts for 20, 25, hoodies for $50, they got plushies, they got coffee mugs, I mean, People are profiting off of the Mothman, there is no doubt. I mean, there. I was just looking around the internet and saw that somebody had posted that they just made a Mothman screenplay. I mean, there are tons of Mothman movies and things in the media, I'll talk about those in a sec. But even two weeks ago, I stumbled upon a comic and I didn't even know it, but it was a Mothman comic, totally influenced by it and it was honestly one of my favorite tellings of Mothman culture so far. So the profits are definitely there. And if we want to look at some of the harder numbers, we could look at the Mothman Festival. Cause holy moly, it usually holds around 12,000 people for just a weekend out of the year, mainly just one day out of the year. And it's crazy to think that this phenomenon that's less than 60 years old, it's not even a century old yet. And it could bring in millions of dollars worldwide and bring in thousands of people into a small town that hardly sees this, this kind of tourism. I mean, it is awesome. And with no official merchandising or copyright for this image, the money is pretty spread out evenly amongst the community and honestly, anybody could pick it up. I push cryptid culture and I believe this is going to be end up becoming a big part of it is 
just the tourism money that could be made off of it and how it's not fully been explored yet. I mean, a lot of people like to write this off, but as soon as we just make the culture fun again and enjoyable for everybody, I think there's a lot of potential in it. I mean, I'm going to Squankapalooza in the next couple weeks, so Mothman Festival is awesome. I even got to go to one, let alone it wasn't a very big one. It was during the pandemic. But let's look into how in the past 10 years, I mean, Mothman documentaries and movies and general media has blown up. Uh, one thing real quick too that I loved was that in 2020, West Virginia actually started a petition to, to set up Mothman statues to replace the Confederate statues. And honestly, on one website, their goal was 5,000 and they were literally only 22 votes away. Oh, you knew I threw a mod behind that. And But the change.org, petition only had 3,700 out of 5,000. So, I mean, they still got a way to go, but it was big during the pandemic and a lot of people loved the movement. Uh, a lot of like school teachers were talking about it. And I mean, I would definitely be all here for it. I mean, I've heard Maple make arguments for Confederate statues and I'm not scared to put my opinion on the line because I believe cryptid culture and weird culture as a whole is inherently political. It's a sociological thing. And if it's not open for everybody, then you might be gatekeeping it in the wrong angles. I mean, this culture is for everybody. And I believe Confederate statues just uphold the history of hate. And no, you just by getting rid of a statue doesn't mean you're eliminating history as these people will live on in books and throughout history books for forever. But there's no reason to idolize their likeliness when somebody else more important could be getting it. Even just something as famous as the Mothman, it brings an inclusivity to it. Like it or not, Confederate statues scare away a lot of people. It's because, yeah, it's a nasty history. So why not replace it with something more friendly and more inclusive that everybody could get behind? There's argument for culture and everything, but that's just my take on it. And I have an associate in history. I understand how history affects modern day. And yeah, that's just something I believe in. I mean, or even in the capital region, they just got rid of the Schuler statue because he was one of the largest slave owners in all of New York. So yeah, we got rid of his statue and we replaced it with these beautiful flowers that were given to us by the Scandinavian after World War II. I mean, it's still a big historical cultural significance and should be celebrated as well. So let's look into the popular media of all of this. Oh boy, there is so much that the Mothman has infiltrated and got his way into. And I'm just gonna kind of throw a bunch of them at you real quick because there is so much. I mean, in TV shows alone, X-Files, of course, has Mothman. In Season 5, Episode 4, Agent Mulder refers to a group called the Mothmen and tied them to a bunch of supernatural events. Uh, something called X-Testers in Episode 2 attempted to duplicate alleged Mothman photos. Monster Quest had an episode on him. Invader Zim, the cartoon, had Mothman be a code word for a secret society called the Swollen Eye that Zim was part of. Now, in popular movies, there's like the 2002 Mothman Prophecies based off of the book. You might have heard of that. That is the famous Richard Gere movie that made a, a decent amount of money. Probably definitely the most popularized form of the Mothman. And Richard Gere killed it. He plays a psychologist who looks into this lady going crazy because of the potential Mothman. But it ties in a lot of stuff like John Keel usually does. It's based off of the book. So they have injured cold in there. One of the weirdest alien encounters that I can remember. And I definitely want to cover injured in one of the future episodes. But yeah, injured Cole's calling the lady on the phone eventually calls Richard Gere for warning of supernatural events. The, there's spirit orbs. There's a lot of, you know, Fordian stuff. And it's really neat watch, even though it's super dated. It's like super 2002 suspense horror-esque. It's a neat little folklore piece, but it probably gets like a 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10 for me. 7 out of 10 just because I purely love that kind of nonsense. I mean, I'm a huge Supernatural fan, so of course I'm going to love Mothman Prophecy. Uh, but 2010s, there's a Mothman movie on sci-fi, 2011, The Eyes of the Mothman, 2011 also, documentary called Mothman Country was pretty popular. Now, I was just on Tubi and you search Mothman, you could see that there's a 2002 movie called Mothman, 2020 Mothman Legacy, 2017 Mothman of Point Pleasant, 2021 On the Trail of the Lake Michigan Mothman, that's a Chicago Mothman one, uh, 2015 Mothman Curse, uh, 2022, The Mothman Tapes, Bigfoot, Mothman, Chupacabra was a movie. I mean, one that was funny was there was actually a couple of the British Mothman movies, like uh, the 2015 Mothman Curse and the 2022, The Mothman Tapes. 
I had watched both of them just in the background, and it's just British people doing Mothman stuff, which is weird, because they had the Cornish Owlman. Now, that was from 1976, and that was likely a Eurasian Eagle Owl encounter uh, that was actually featured in the Secret Saturdays. I love Secret Saturdays, and it makes sense that they switched out Mothman for the Owlman, something a little bit more obscure, but Secret Saturdays was an awesome Cartoon Network show featuring cryptids. I'll probably do a little show on that at some point just because it was such a neat show for kids. Now let's hop over to games real quick, because uh, Castlevania has a Mothman monster. Uh, Persona, a popular series you might have heard of. Persona 5 has the Mothman, but all the way back to Persona 2, the Mothman was in this Japanese video game. I mean, GTA San Andreas has a thing where if you go out into a specific spot in the desert, you could find the Mothman. Desert Mothman's a neat one too, I'll say. Uh, Fortnite has a Mothman Mando skin. Uh, there's a game called Mothman 1966 that just came out on Steam that is super cool. It's like this gritty 8-bit, like, super storytelling based game that looked like a lot of fun and above all i love fallout fallout 76 is super cryptid based they got a snally gaster they got giant sloths they have the flatwoods monster and most importantly they push the image of the Mothman a ton. Now you can meet a peaceful Mothman in that game. You can meet a harmful Mothman, that game that actually tries to attack you and has these wild shrieks that deal sonic damage to you and moves like lightning. So shooting at it is super hard as it's moving all of the time. Uh, and there's even a cult to the Mothman in that video game, which is super cool. You can find them in Point Pleasant and throughout the game, they've taken over certain raider camps. They have these giant effigies to the Mothman. Uh, even if you go to Point Pleasant, you can find the Mothman's eggs and you could turn those into omelets. You could sell them for a lot of money. I mean, there's a and that is around the real statue of the Mothman. Now, when I went to Point Pleasant, I was kind of hoping, because Fallout gets its location surprisingly right. I was hoping the statue was in the same spot, but it wasn't. In the video game, it's like in between a staircase. In reality, it's just on the road in Point Pleasant. But nonetheless, Fallout 76 killed it, and they have a whole uh, quest line called the Path of Enlightenment, where you meet the Mothman, you do different things for it. Uh, one of the coolest things is one of the is the location you find fairly early on is this giant lighthouse in the middle of the woods. And if you do a quest where you capture enough fireflies and you bring them to the top of the lighthouse, that will attract the Mothman. A super cool little quest line that I absolutely loved doing in Fallout. And like I said, there are tons of other cryptids to explore, especially the Grafton Beast is a big one in Fallout 76. So, you know, I want to cover all of those at some point, but I love that Fallout introduced these cryptids and were able to execute on the Mothman so freaking well. Now, a couple other things from literary stuff is there's a couple comics, like Frank Fretz's Mothman comic was very popular, uh, the popular comic Watchmen, uh, it's an alias for one of the characters, uh, there's a book called The Little Mothman and the Pretty Things, it's an awesome little kids book that teaches of discovering the forest and all the wonderful things inside of it. Like I had mentioned, there are modern musicals about the Mothman. Uh, one on a production company called Scouts has made a Mothman musical that I was able to find on YouTube. There's a live stage reading on this account called BRS Music. They did an awesome production. I, some of those songs are hilarious too. Like one called Go Back to Hiding. I mean, it's just this wonderful ballad of a dude singing the chorus that goes, it's time for monsters to go back to hiding. <laughs> Me and my roommate ended up singing that for a while. It was a hilarious show. And, and it's a queer show based on exploring identity. It focuses around a lesbian couple that has Mothman protect, protect them from a tragedy. And they explore just his identity and what it is and what it's like to find yourself. It, it's an interesting musical and I wish I could see more of it. I definitely recommend looking it up. I'm sure Mothman musical will become more and more popular. I think I saw two different ones, but I couldn't find either of the production companies, but there could potentially be two right now. And one of the funnier ones is I found a 30 minute short on Vimeo 
called Mothman, an anti-hate superhero comedy, which was like this goofy college project done by a bunch of younger people about a guy who was getting cheated out of a fraternity race because he wasn't white. He uses an alternative identity named the Mothman to become a vigilante and take down some of like the white supremacists on campus. Uh, I didn't watch the full thing, but it did look like a very fun watch. And if that's your sort of thing, I definitely recommend looking into it and having a fun time with it. One of the better depictions too is Aqua Teen Hunger Force, one of my favorite shows as a childhood on Adult Swim. Uh, features a Mothman very early on in its like second episode and then constantly referenced throughout it is the Mothman. And lastly, I wanted to talk about the comic I had recently found called Silk Hills. That was a fantastic comic from 2022, a very recent one. It was released by Ani Press, which I love Ani Press. They, they've they done fantastic works like The Sixth Gun, Kaiju Max, which actually features a bunch of cryptids, including the Jersey Devil, all living on this island prison. Uh, they've done Scott Pilgrim, Invader Zim. They do the Rick and Morty comics. So they've done a lot of big name stuff too, but their more niche comics are awesome. Silk Hills was phenomenal. It's a brilliant tale of a queer detective coming into a small town west virginia where a big lumber company's owner his son has gone missing and she's been brought in to figure out what's going on now the detective is an ex-military queer black woman who makes it in the small hostile town while uncovering a drug ring that's focused around smoking a powder made out of a moth processing a specific cave moth that comes only from this area. Uh, just this weird story of people smoking moths and this Mothman cult may be lurking somewhere and actually features the Mothman himself. Now, I'll let you figure out how he gets involved because I highly recommend checking out this book on Amazon or Kindle or wherever you can. It was at my local library. And the Mothman is depicted as a true great harbinger of doom and a ward against hate crimes of all things. <laughs> I love it. He's a guardian against the unknown just and i think the depiction and the tide of this mothman coal and this drug ring that smokes these moths i mean it's this wild story that i would highly recommend now that's been a lot of the pop culture of everything let's get into the travel of how to get there to the mothman now that we have a good understanding of who he is because point pleasant oh man this is a beautiful little spot let's go All right, baby, let's go. Let's travel to West Virginia. Mountain mamas, where the I belong. <laughs> and let's go check out Point Pleasant, an awesome little river town. You drive into it from one of the major highways. I'm sure you can find yourself there. And of course, one of the first things you go on and do is find the statue of Mothman. It is an awesome statue that was rendered by the sculptor Bob Roach in 2003 and it is just two streets away from the museum. So if you look up the Mothman Museum, you'll find that it opened in 2005 and it's an awesome spot with tons of news articles from the time. I mean, all over the walls, all over these big display exhibits. As soon as you walk in, you'll see all these newspaper articles and you'll realize how many Linda Scarberry is quoted in. I mean, she is seriously the feature of all of this. It wasn't until I visited this place that I truly understood how big Linda was behind all of this story. But it's really interesting to see all the other newspapers of the smaller anonymous accounts that there were all over this Mothman. And they have reports from New Jersey and all these different things of people reporting on the Mothman and its curiosity. So it's cool to see how far stretched this myth had gone. And there are even lots of relics of the Silver Bridge disaster there. Now, I, I'd even touched one that was along the wall just to, you know, be part of this supernatural history. I totally believe things hold the energy and the energy of this place is weird. And it was a tragic thing for sure to see the Silver Bridge disaster. Now, there's even lots of memorabilia from the 2002 movie, The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere. There's a picture of him there. Uh, there's tons of like props and different things like that from the movie, which is really cool to see. Get a little bit of an insider. And there are reportedly even some accidents on set, which happen in a lot of horror movies, but especially with the one based on the Heartbringer of Doom. I mean, that feels especially appropriate for some things to go wrong. Now you can even go to a back area. In this back area, they have this full suit that people used to wear. People still do wear every once in a while to advertise the Mothman. 
I'll I post pictures of it on Instagram. I took a picture with it. Took a picture with a lot of these. I'll show a lot of them on there. I'm just a little hesitant to show my face. Maybe we'll do a face reveal at some point. But yeah, you can see the Mothman. They even had a cutout of the Fallout 76 Mothman, which is super cool. So if you're in the area, you have to hit up the museum and statue. That is like pivotal to Mothman stuff. But if you want to go to the birthplace of the Mothman, oh my god, this is what I would recommend because you get a beautiful hike. Plus, you get to go through a contaminated, strange marsh found in West Virginia. This is the TNT site. So let's go over there. It's about 15 minutes away to the northeast of Point Pleasant, and it's a place called McClintic Wildlife Management Area. And it's just up Highway 62 or the Ohio River or Ohio River Road. It is super visitable, but to get to the igloos and the domes, now like I said, these have exploded in the past, but only one has exploded in the past 60 years. I mean, it's pretty unlikely that you will be there for an explosion, but I don't know, even if you were, that's kind of freaking crazy. What the heck? You went to a Martian, you found an exploded World War II bunker? I mean, that's a story in itself. Those are the kind of adventures I'm out here looking for. But if you need help to find the igloos, they do seem to be marked as the TNT domes on Apple Maps. Now, Atlas Obscura actually has a really good description of how to get there too, because to be honest, the TNT site actually seems pretty hard to get to. Now, I wasn't able to go to here while I was on my trip. I had done six hours of driving that day. We went to Point Pleasant. We hung out by the river. I mean, we ate, and then we found a campsite nearby. So we weren't able to go to explore that, but we had a great time in the museum and everything. Now, I would definitely recommend visiting the TNT site. Now, Atlas Obscura, for sure, look it up, because it's going to navigate you right to the domes. But... I'll give you a little help too, I've never done it myself, but the directions seem fairly simple. Like I said, you're going to be on Highway 62, and you're going to take a right to the east onto Route 11 or Porter's Creek Road. Once you're there, you're going to find that the pavement ends, so you're going to want to have a car that you're confident with going on a little bit of a dirt road or a gravel road for a while, and it's a long straight road due south. So head down there and take a hard right onto Park Forest 810. Now, you're going to want to travel down this forest road for about three quarters of a mile till you find a trailhead to the right. Once you're at this trailhead, you know you're in the right direction. You're going to want to take it and head north, and I'll take you straight to the domes. The iglers are about half mile in and on both sides, so you shouldn't miss them. Now, they're old World War II bunkers that are built into the ground, and there's, there's no guarantee to access to any of them, so be warned of that. And I wouldn't exactly, like, play on top of them as they could explode, but, I mean... Do your research and do your exploring as you may be. They sound like an awesome thing to visit. Definitely a great picture opportunity. <laughs> and uh, be warned that if you travel too far north, that it does start to become private property in certain areas. And it doesn't seem to have any specific cutoff line, but just be generally respectful in the area. I mean, anytime you're going to somewhere like that, be respectful of the area. Now, one of the main reasons to visit Point Pleasant, oh my gosh, the Mothman Festival. Now, holy crap. I was there for the 2021 Mothman Festival. And, uh... I'm gonna be real, it wasn't great. <laughs> it was during the pandemic, and even the guy at the shop was very, or at the museum, was very upset and was like, dang, you came all the way from California to see this? Ugh, wish you were here one of the other years when apparently in 2019 there was a reported 13,000 people there. I mean, it would have been awesome to meet all the cryptid community and to really get around, but I still met a few different weirdos in the area. You definitely, like, I would notice the cryptid folk walking around Point Pleasant compared to the locals because generally it's just this local river town that's built with these, like, old 1960s aesthetics and stuff like that like you could definitely tell it's not a modernized city and i like that aspect of it it has cobblestone roads still has these old timey clocks it's this beautiful place so definitely go to the festivals and i love that during this time a lot of the local shops like the dessert shops coffee shops cafes all have like mothman themed stuff they have mothman smoothies mothman cookies they're all doing different things and apparently in 2022 it had a huge comeback uh, it was reported to be even bigger than the 13,000 crowd from or 2019. So the Mothman Festival is definitely growing, and since it was withheld from people, it has only grown bigger. I definitely recommend going to this current one that's going to be happening in early September. And apparently at this 2023 Mothman Festival, there will actually be guided tours of the TNT area. That sounds super cool. They'll bring you right to these igloos. Uh, straight from Keel's story. I believe Keel was the first one to call them igloo, the bunkers, igloos. So 
they'll take you straight there. It's a cool guided tour, and I would highly recommend going if you're in the area. Now, I would love to go too because I looked up some of the food places, and I had mentioned it, but there's something called the Mothman Burger. And I'm so disappointed that all the places serving a Mothman Burger have seemingly closed. Super disappointing for sure. But I was trying to find everywhere for the recipe for it. And I actually did from a place called Mothman Urban Legends Bar and Grill. Now, I believe the person to originate it was Harris Steakhouse, but that place closed and the Mothman Urban Legends Bar and Grill opened up only a few years ago. That place is also sadly closed down. I think it closed down fairly recently, but their Mothman burger consisted of a half pound burger with jalapeno peppers, pepper jack cheese, hot sauce, onion rings, and mushrooms of all things. Now, don't get me wrong, that's a burger I would smack down, but I can't imagine that's a too conventional of a burger and I get how it could kind of maybe fall apart. Mushroom and onion rings is a strange combination, but I mean, I, <laughs> ooh, I smacked that down. On top of that, they also had chupacabra chicken wings, Bigfoot barbecue bacon burgers, Banshee BLTs, and a Phoenix Philly cheesesteak. That was only $7, $7 for a cheesesteak. Yo, what, what are you making this cheesesteak with? Yo, I've worked at places where I was slinging out cheesesteaks and I know they are not $7. I know they're worth way more, but I don't know. Maybe that just speaks to the quality of these places. Maybe the fact that both of these places are closed is truly that the Mothman is the heartbringer of doom. Uh, <laughs> No, no, no offense to these places that I really wish they would have made it and tons of places make it using this Mothman merch. Uh, it's definitely not the Mothman that's taking these restaurants down. But there are tons of stuff to do in this awesome river town. I mean, even just going by the Ohio River and checking out the awesome Native American murals. Now these murals are, like I said, they're beautiful and they're gorgeous, but they are depicting these settlers coming in, in 1773 and ruining everything and betraying Chief Cornstalk and the murdering him in an evil trap they set. I mean, yeah, it's not great, but it's great that we were able to memorialize these and never forget the tragedies that have happened in this town. I mean, this is seriously some messed up American history, but the folklore of it all brings a lot of fun to it. There's a lot of river activities. You should visit the museum, hike around the local TNT area, and all the great eights in the areas. Uh, I mean, even check out a place called the Mason Jar. They commonly sell moth or Mothman featuring things and are always a mainstay at the festival. Definitely check it all out because Point Plaza is an awesome place. Uh, let's start wrapping this all up and get, get to an outro. Oh boy, thanks for hanging around. It has been a wild ride exploring this cryptid who has breached into popular culture and I hope we could all take something away from this myth. I mean, there's so much for everybody, whether it be you wanting to check out the Mothman musical on YouTube. That's a BRS music, by the way. Definitely look it up. You've got to. It's time for monsters to go back to hiding. <laughs> Phenomenal musical. Or you could go hike around an EPA super fun site with explosive bunkers around this contaminated marsh <laughs> for those explorers out there. Or you got new plans and you could go visit the Mothman Festival and go meet some of the cryptic community out there and explore this myth with everybody. I mean, it's awesome. And above all, I think this legend is a perfect jumping off point for people in cryptid culture. Like, I seriously can't stress enough that there is a bright future for cryptid cultures, especially when, now that people are seeing the value of these myths and how much, now I don't love capitalism, don't get me wrong, but I mean, there's a lot of money to be made here and money is the main way to bring a lot of people in. So why not make a few bucks off of the Mothman name? I mean, if you're gonna do it, just do it good. <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of Mothman. I recently just watched a few different Mothman screenplays and they they weren't they weren't great. Just please put in the effort. Man, I don't know. It's weird that a major studio has never done like a cryptid cinematic universe to me. I mean, besides like sci-fi tier movies. I mean, there's definitely like real usage of this folklore and can be presented in a super interesting way. Just nobody's done it yet. And I don't doubt it's hard to create like a super suspenseful image of the Mothman, but 
that's kind of the job of visionaries is to figure out how to do it. And it could be you that writes the big Mothman story that breaks into Hollywood and gets a major push by Disney and more. Like, who knows what the future could be? There's definitely a future in it, though. The Mothman is just this perfect image of this harbinger of doom, this... John Keel's image is an awesome one of this supernatural being that ties together UFOs and high strangeness and things going missing and ending up in weird places and disappearances. I mean, Mothman can tie it all together in this beautiful weird knot while he's also a protector of the people. He warns against, you know, this contaminated marsh that you probably shouldn't be swimming in and stuff. That's the kind of places he hangs out. He hangs out maybe before the Silver Bridge exploded, he was there. So you could definitely write him into so many different scenarios and stuff. And like I said, I love Silk Hill's depiction of the Mothman. Seriously, go pick up Silk Hill's wherever you can. And I mean, you could even turn that into a movie and it'd be a super interesting one. Or you could turn it into a TV show along the lines of like True Detective and stuff. It'd be perfect for True Detective with the smoking moth powders and stuff. They crazy good. And from here, it's an awesome place to explore more underknown cryptids as there are hundreds of these guys all across America from weird cultures like lumberjacks to supernatural to animals where they shouldn't be to dinosaurs in modern day. I mean, Colorado has a few different ones of those, especially the river dinos. So stick around as we explore plenty more of these juicy cases. And next week, I'm thinking that we should, uh, Look to the skies and watch for something strange. You never know what's up there. You gotta check it out and stick around for the next case of Fringe History. Fringe History is research written and produced by me, Basti B. Fringe History is an independent podcast relying and welcome to any sightings, encounters, or funding to help expand our community. Submit any stories to fringehistorypod at gmail.com or on Instagram at fringehistorypod. Make sure to follow the social media for episode drops and daily content, like daily cryptids. I got MetaZoo cards on there, depictions of different spirits, aliens, and of course, tons of cryptids on there uh and all the pictures you want to see from the case you heard today and all the other cases it could be a good spot to find your next episode and if you want to help support this podcast for absolutely free please go leave a review anywhere you heard this spotify apple Podcasts, amazon music anywhere you listen to your podcast thank you a ton and as always stay weird out there keep adventuring folks